welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is Friday of the second week of Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us call to mind our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, hope and light of the sincere, we humbly entreat you to dispose our hearts to offer you worthy prayer and ever to extol you by dutiful proclamation of your praise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. One member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee called Gamaliel, who was a doctor of the law and respected by the whole people, stood up and asked to have the apostles taken outside for a time. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, be careful how you deal with these people. There was Theodos, who became notorious not so long ago. He claimed to be someone important, and he even collected about 400 followers. But when he was killed, all his followers scattered, and that was the end of them. And then there was Judas the Galilean, at the time of the census, who attracted crowds of supporters. But he got killed too and all his followers dispersed. What I suggest, therefore, is that you leave these men alone and let them go. If this enterprise, this movement of theirs, is of human origin, it will break up of its own accord. But if it does in fact come from God, you will not only be unable to destroy them, but you might find yourselves fighting against God. His advice was accepted, and they had the apostles called him, gave orders for them to be flogged, warned them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and released them. And so they left the presence of the Sanhedrin, glad to have had the honour of suffering humiliation for the sake of the name. They preached every day both in the temple and in private houses, and their proclamation of the good news of Christ Jesus was never interrupted. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my help. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Before whom shall I shrink? One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. There is one thing I ask of the Lord, for this I long, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to savour the sweetness of the Lord, to behold his temple. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. I am sure I shall see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in him, hold firm and take heart. Hope in the Lord. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. No one lives on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went off to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or of Tiberias, and a large crowd followed him, impressed by the signs he gave by curing the sick. Jesus climbed the hillside and sat down there with his disciples. It was shortly before the Jewish feast of Passover. Looking up, Jesus saw the crowds approaching and said to Philip, Where can we buy some bread for these people to eat? He only said this to test Philip. He himself knew exactly what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii would only buy enough to give them a small piece each. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, There's a small boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what is that between so many? Jesus said to them, Make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there, and as many as 5,000 men sat down. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and gave them out to all who were sitting ready. Then he did the same with the fish, giving out as much as was wanted. When they had eaten enough, he said to the disciples, Pick up the pieces left over so that nothing gets wasted. So they picked them up and filled twelve hampers with scraps left over from the meal of five barley loaves. The people, seeing this sign he had given, said, This really is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, who could see they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, escaped back to the hills by himself. The Gospel of the Lord Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, brace yourself. We're about to embark upon another continuous reading in the Gospel of John. We've just finished chapter 3, where we heard about Nicodemus and a little bit about John the Baptist as well. Now we're going to embark upon chapter 6 of John's Gospel. And we're going to read it until Saturday week. Sunday's different. Sunday's going to be something else. But we're going to read this whole chapter divided over the coming weekdays. And this is important because the chapter hangs together as one whole piece. It takes place over 24 hours. And there are three major events that happen in this 24-hour period. And those three events, they form layers and they come to sit on top of each other. So you've got to take them all together in order to get the full meaning of what Jesus says at the end of the chapter. So it starts off what we heard today, the feeding of the 5,000. After that, the disciples are going to get into the boat and Jesus is going to come walking on the water. Then the following day, the crowd are going to catch up with Jesus again. And then we're going to have the discourse about the bread of life. So let's take this first step together then. 
The gospel starts off here. Jesus went off to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or of Tiberias. That's the name the Romans gave to the Sea of Galilee. And a large crowd followed him, impressed by the signs he gave by curing the sick. Jesus climbed the hillside and sat down there with his disciples. It was surely before the Jewish feast of Passover. This isn't just putting a chronological time stamp on the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It's putting a theological time stamp on. That there's something about the Passover which explains what Jesus is doing. The Passover celebrates the Exodus, God's great saving work in bringing the people of Israel from enslavement in Egypt to their own homeland, to the promised land. This great passage of salvation. Now think back to the book of Exodus. We know the story well enough, even if it's just in broad brushstrokes. Moses gets sent to Pharaoh in order to set the people free. And we know that Pharaoh hardens his heart. And and through the course of the story, there are ten plagues which are unleashed upon Egypt. Until finally, the tenth and most terrible plague is the one that convinces Pharaoh to let the Israelites go free. Having made their escape from Egypt, they arrive at the Red Sea. When Pharaoh once again hardens his heart and turns his chariots towards the people who are escaping. And God divides the Red Sea to right and to left and the people pass through dry shod. And there they're brought to the holy mountain. To Sinai. And there God enters into a covenant with them. A new and intimate friendship where through Moses, God takes Israel as his own possession And Israel pledged their faithfulness to God. Israel then continued their journey through the desert to the promised land. And God feeds them miraculously with manna in the desert. It's this powdery kind of flour which appears on the ground as the dew lifts from the earth. And the Israelites are able to gather up this manna, gather up this flour, and use it to bake scones, to make bread. And on this food, they are sustained in their journey until they reach the promised land. Now, this is a super, super, super abridged version of the Exodus, but it hits a couple of highlights. Now, remembering all of this, let's go back to those first couple of lines that we heard in the gospel today. Jesus went off to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and a large crowd followed him, impressed by the signs he gave by curing the sick. Now remember what God did at the Exodus. The people were impressed by the signs which Moses had wrought, these plagues which were brought upon Egypt, and they followed Moses, what? To the other side of the Red Sea. Now the crowds, being impressed by the signs which Jesus works, follow to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Where did Moses bring the people? To Mount Sinai the place where God spoke to his people and entered into a covenant with them. We read that Jesus climbed the hillside. And what's interesting is in the Greek, it doesn't say that Jesus climbed a hillside. He climbed the hillside. There's purpose here. And he sits down there with his disciples. And John adds, this was shortly before the Jewish feast of Passover. 
All of this is supposed to make us see what is really going on beneath the appearances of the actions of Jesus. It's a new exodus. And so what unfolds next is that Jesus is going to feed his people just as God miraculously fed his people in the desert. Now, there's so much to be said about this event and about what happens. And I've kind of burnt up my time already just trying to set the scene. But let me just focus on one little detail. It's this weird little detail about the grass. John says there was plenty of grass there and as many as 5,000 men sat down. Kind of curious that he mentions that there's a lot of grass there. And in some ways we might sort of say, oh, well, John's just being descriptive. He's, he's setting the scene for us. It's also supposed to make us think of a very, very familiar piece of scripture. Psalm number 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In meadows of green grass he lets me lie. To the waters of repose he leads me. There he revives my soul. The Lord is the shepherd who leads to an abundance of life, who leads his flock through the valley of darkness and death into the place of green pastures and flowing waters. Jesus here is being shown to be a new Moses, the fulfillment of Moses. The exodus that happened from Egypt to the land of Canaan is just a sign of the true exodus which is going to happen from the slavery of death to new life in the true promised land, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus will feed his flock with something far more precious than bread. He will feed his flock with his life, with new life. So now that John's set the scene, brace yourself, because there's a lot more to come. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For, For the, the kingdom, kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ in our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God.
And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that, as you did at Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God our Father.